Today's episode of the Channel 33 Soccer Podcast is brought to you by SeatGeek, our presenting sponsor and the only fan-friendly app for buying and selling sports and music tickets. SeatGeek makes buying tickets on your phone a total snap. With just two taps, you can instantly buy tickets to an event the same day, have your tickets delivered straight to your phone, and enter the event without ever having to print them out. And if you can't go to the game or show, you can sell your tickets directly from your app in less than 30 seconds. With SeatGeek, there is no guesswork. You'll know exactly where you're sitting, what you will pay, and whether or not you're getting a good deal, all right from your phone. So drop the old ticket app and experience buying and selling tickets the way it should be. To start using SeatGeek, download the free SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. Hello, and welcome to Channel 33 Soccer Podcast, Football Never Sleeps! <laughs> I have no idea whose character that was I just did. My name is Chris Ryan. I'm an editor at TheRinger.com. I'm with Ryan O'Hanlon. I'm also an editor at TheRinger.com. And you never sleep. Man, we were just here talking about transfers. Right before that, we were just here talking about the end of the Euros. Maybe it was the same podcast. I don't remember, because soccer, time just runs together. The continuum collapses on itself. Yeah, and I know for you... The MLS season has been going it's on been since the Euros. So ended, so it's been so exciting. It's been so good. I can't even. You know what? It would be unfair of me to name a particular team I loved or any particular players. Yeah, we, I, I wouldn't put you on the spot. I, I love. I love American soccer. But today we're going to talk about Premier League soccer. Um, you know, I, obviously a lot of like really great competitions going on in Europe. In European competition, England has kind of fallen a little bit away, and we're going to address this in Champions League. We haven't had we. The Premier League hasn't had a semifinalist in a while. We had Manchester City, but Manchester we haven't. Like, City. I don't feel like there's been like a threat. So and there's been a couple there. of seasons where it seemed like the best players in the Premier League were going to La Liga or going to mm-hmm. Germany or wherever. And uh, this year is different. Okay, so we have talked about this a little bit before, but this is probably the most excited, if you can't tell from my voice already, <laughs> that I've been for a Premier League season in a really long time. And part of it is because there's been an influx of new interesting players, including. Possibly the best non-Neymar or Messi player in the world uh, in Paul Pogba, who just completed his deal yesterday. And Ryan wrote an awesome piece about the way that the Paul Pogba money to Juventus has in some ways already been spent. And then we have this incredible collection of managerial talent that is now like all top heavy up at the top of the league. So, man, I just think that this is going to be one of the most exciting seasons because the talent level seems very equal across the board, but the managerial talent is going to be the thing that decides everything. Yeah, I totally agree. And you probably, you can't tell from my voice that I'm excited, but I am too. Um, And you're right. I I think there are, you know, six teams that have a legitimate chance of finishing in the top four, if not winning the title. And like you said, the most of the top, top, top players in the world still don't play in England. So the talent level from between those six teams is roughly the same. So I think a ton of factors. And we're not even counting, you know, we're not even counting Leicester who won won. the league. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And then you have a situation where of those six teams, you know, we've got some managers who have been in the league before, but are back, Mourinho. Mm -hmm. We've got managers who are kind of getting their first full season, like Klopp. We've got managers who have to top themselves from what they pulled off last season, like Pochettino at Tottenham. And then we've got guys like Guardiola and Conte, who are two of Europe's best managers now in the Premier League. Yep. And then we've got Arsene Wenger still not buying a striker. But in an interesting way, it's the twilight of Wenger, right? It's the last, last, probably the last season of him. All right. So Ryan and I have 20 questions. Uh, 10, 10 each will answer. 
Uh, and we're going to just put an unofficial two-minute clock on each of these so that we get through this, you know, in, in the average New York City subway commute time, yeah. just to name a completely random location that people might be listening to this. Uh, Ryan, my first question to you, and I'll start the clock. Could a team do a Leicester this season? Um, I'm going to say no, but I think it depends on what we define doing a Leicester as. If we define that as coming from the bottom half of the table, sort of getting outshot on the whole over the course of a season and winning the Premier League by 10 points, that's never going to happen again. I'm pretty confident in saying that. I think it was a very rare outlier. But I think at the same time, the way we could look at it is, can a team go from the bottom half of the table and put up numbers that Leicester put up? Their you know, shooting and quality of shots numbers are good. En- were good enough to get them in the top four. And I think that that is the really impressive thing that happened with Leicester. They went from bottom half of the table to... A little luck probably put them. That's certainly in first. more impressive than winning the Premier League. <laughs> <laughs> as far as something that is sustainable, I yeah, guess. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, I know what you mean. I don't want to turn you know this just into a spreadsheet, but I think there there's a possible if if there's a team that can do that now, I think it's it's maybe Bournemouth. I think they were pretty good last year in their first season, um, despite sort of having less resources than every other team. Um, and their best player, Callum Wilson, striker, got hurt pretty early on in the mm-hmm. season. Um, and all of their numbers sort of looked pretty good. They, unlike Leicester, outshot their opponents throughout the course of the entire season. Um, they just added two guys from Liverpool, which is, you know, two young Brad Smith and Jordan Ibe from Liverpool taking younger cast-offs from a team that's better than you is really not a bad idea. Yeah, it's not. It's, and not, it's pretty smart. They have this guy, Josh O'Hamlin, who happens to be my illegitimate son. So well, they, a... nobody will ever say we didn't talk about Bournemouth first <laughs> yeah. in a Premier League podcast, <laughs> so that's good. Bournemouth is your pick for the possible Leicester of this year. Not necessarily win the league, but to vault into the top half. Yeah. Okay. Um, as someone who I know has sculpted a clay likeness of Abu Dhabi in uh, the foyer in his apartment. Uh, how are you going to convince yourself that this is Arsenal's so, year? He's teasing me because even though I am a Liverpool fan, I am fascinated by Arsenal. I follow Arsenal pretty closely just because I find their the narrative surrounding Arsenal to be, if not maddening, at least compelling. You know, yeah. Because I think that they're often, part of the problem is that you feel like you're in uh, like a fun house of some kind you're living every day over yeah. again with with arsenal every season uh they're coming off one of the most uninspiring second place finishes i can remember and i can't really give you a reason to be hopeful that they'll win the league this year other than the fact that this is probably Wenger's last year that there are still two more weeks of, and change left in the transfer window and if they were ever going to break the bank, this would be the time to do it. If they were going to buy Lacazette, if they were going to buy a couple of German central defenders to <laughs> plug up the already injury crisis mm-hmm. that they're having in defense. And, you know, they bought Granit Xhaka, and I think he's fantastic, but they already have, like, eight good midfielders. Yeah. And I don't really know what they're going to do with them all, and none of them are really pure wingers except for Walcott, who doesn't want to play on the wing. Yeah. Um, Joel Campbell. Sure. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, so yeah, if they, if I the way I'm going to convince them is that this most sort of clinical of teams and prettiest passing of teams becomes actually emotional and sentimental about it being their managers last year. And if I could just throw as a note, 
I'm not trying to concern troll, but <laughs> I'm, if you've noticed one of those sort of subplots of this of this offseason has been Thierry Henry was offered a job at Arsenal, uh, but he wasn't going to be able to keep being a Sky Pundit, so he mm-hmm. re- refused to go. Uh, Tony Adams refused to come back to, not refused, but chose to do something else besides come back to Arsenal. There's always been some talk about Dennis Bergkamp coming back to the club to take on a coaching role, and perhaps that's still in play. But Arsenal seems like a place, like, if you're going to have somebody in the job for as long as Wenger's been in the job, that having some sort of succession plan would be useful. Uh, I know it didn't work out that well for Manchester United, (laughs) but I'm also kind of worried about Arsenal in 2017-18 after Wenger. Yeah, that's just a uh, that's just some concern trolling on my part. Okay, Ryan, if you think Bournemouth could be the next Leicester, <laughs> why can't Leicester be the next Leicester? They can't be the next Leicester just because I think you could make the argument that they perform better, as in they dominate games more, they get better chances next year, and they give up uh, lower quality chances, and they'll finish in like seventh place, right? Um, just because a lot of variance sort of led them to the top. And I think it's just there's not, if they kept their team as it was, they probably would have regressed from being 10 points ahead of the rest of the league. But they lost uh, N'Golo Conte, who is the guy that everyone sort of seems to think was the linchpin of the team, you know, the guy that um, broke up all of the attacks from heading out Leicester and then yeah. they would, he would start the offense. He was as good at, as good as anyone at sort of, you know, starting things going the other way. Um, and now he's gone. But at the same time, they still have Riyad Mahrez, who he was the best player in the Premier League last year. Like he, he was, and it was not even close. I've also become like a, a Vardy believer. Yeah. Just I, like probably not. You've come a, to terms with it. I've come to terms with the fact that I that's my favorite kind of striker. Yeah. And that the guy who runs onto the through ball and just blows past people and does like two moves on the keeper and has like an open net or the guy who just gets like into one-on-ones with fullbacks because he like went out wide yeah and just roasts them is yeah. is my favorite kind of striker it kind of reminds me a little bit of like peak torres yeah so i think i think they're going to be fun to watch still provided Mares stays who, who knows what's going to happen with the rest um of the window and i think that's is there a better one-two punch other than those two in the no, I mean I think I think the question is, and we're going to get to this in a little bit. In fact, I'm just going to go right into another question for you, okay. which is that Leicester is in the Champions League this mm-hmm. year. Part of one of the one of the reasons why Leicester have so effective last year was because the Tinker Man Claudio Ranieri, which he's known for because he usually used to rotate his yeah. his lineup so much, he stuck with the same eleven for as much as long as he could health health depending and you know, yeah. he didn't have Vardy for the last few game few games and there are different people miss different games but for the most part his 11 was his 11 yeah and now they're going to be in Champions League and now they're going to be expected at least I think I don't think that they can kind of go out of these domestic cups is kind of blase in a blase fashion mm-hmm. um, is staying out of Europe the new playing in Europe because I'm looking at teams like Liverpool who have no European competition and maybe can just find their starting 11 and just go go for broke. Yeah, and I mean, Liverpool's a good example because uh, the 2013-2014 season, when they came in second, yeah. tragically, I think it's fair to say, um, they weren't in Europe, um, and all the teams they were competing with in the top four were. Um, and it's, ju- it's just an advantage. Like, Leicester... I think they lost the least games due to injury of any team last year. So Ranieri was able to stick with his starting 11, yeah. but but if he sticks with his starting 11 this season, that's 
that's not going to happen because guys are going to get hurt. He has to rotate the players. And I think the problem with them, the massive sort of leap they took from the bottom of the table to the top is like, is crazy, but it doesn't give you the kind of intermediary years to build up your squad. Right. Like um, their, their youth, like their academy has not necessarily supplied them with an extra six players that they can yeah. use on like random once they're yeah. in or out of the champions league group stages they like once they've either advanced to knockouts or not to like kind of take up some of those matches yeah they're just going to be playing pretty much multiple games every right. week to say nothing um, of the fact that like most of their starting players are going to obviously want to have a chance to play in the champions league yeah so maybe it comes down to you realize you got lucky in the premier league last year so you go for broke in the champions league and make sure you you know do you think that up? their style of play though at least the one that they won the premier league with is a effective one in champions league because i i kind of secretly think it could be i think it might be because teams don't really play like that anywhere yeah i don't think just such the quick vertical style um and vardy and mares are gonna be tough to deal with no matter who your defense is okay so lester you know we'll see what it's like for them but i i think we should keep our eye on both lester having to deal with european fixtures mm-hmm. your liverpool not having to deal with those european mm-hmm. fixtures and what Europa League does to a team like say Manchester United yeah where it's like nobody knows better how to manage a squad like Mourinho but there's a big difference between going to the San Siro or going to the Bernabeu and going yeah to it's the true Denmark you that's know? that's true but we talk about how tight the top four is going to be and the Europa League is another way to get into the Champions League so you sort of there's a bunch of different yeah variables I know I, I think there's something about the Thursday night to Sunday turnover that I, I just really do feel like it, it seems harder teams. it yeah. just seems tough yeah yeah okay um so one of those top six teams uh is now managed by a personal favorite of yeah. ours antonio conte yeah. the, the most beautiful artificial head of hair uh, <laughs> in london um but he's now coaching chelsea and their team seemed like it f- was filled with a bunch of zombies by the end of the season yeah. so is he going to be able to revive them and how um i think that he's got a little bit of an issue where I don't he needs basically the, the zombie needs to concentrate on his hazard mm-hmm. who started to have a little bit of a revival in the euros yeah but they don't have unless the cost his hamstrings hold up which there's not a lot of suggestion that they will or his yeah. temperament like they they need goals like I don't mm-hmm. know where the goals come from on that team and that might not be a big deal if he sets them up in a way where they basically play like Italy or they play like Juventus from when he was managing that team and yeah but I'm worried about where they're going to get goals. So I think that he revives them via screen therapy, obviously. <laughs> and I think that the Conte signing is fantastic. Um, and I think they're going to be hard to beat. Yeah. Uh, and I just don't know how they're going to get the goals they need. Yeah, I mean, maybe signing Romelu Lukaku um, will be the way to do that. I just... Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and honestly, Chelsea's cl- uh, like Chelsea would be the perfect team to go in while... While Arsenal is kind of like nickel and diming Leon about yeah. Alexander Lacazette, like Chelsea could just go in and blow them away, and that would be a really great signing for them. Yeah. Do, do you think that you know Conte is another one of these guys that has a very demanding approach? You read any headlines in the Daily Mail about how he's basically like a demon screaming his head off every practice? Do you think that approach is probably hard to pull off over a full season, but? he doesn't have Europe Europe to deal with. So do you think that's I think that the I think that the characteristic that goes through all of these teams with the exception of Arsenal in terms of Arsenal's demeanor mm-hmm. is a real physical intensity. Yeah. Whether it's the pressing, whether it's the 
passing, whether it's the speed and pace with which the teams are playing at. Yeah. But all the top teams, all those top eight teams pretty much yeah. play so fast. And Conte, is, it's going to be interesting to see Conte adapt to that because I yeah. think that Conte likes to slow the game down a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, and I don't, I you know, the the physical demands that he's going to put on them, I don't think they're any different than what Guardiola or yeah. Klopp or Pochettino is putting on his their teams. Yeah. It's going to be a war of attrition this season. So uh, my next question for you is, um, speaking of attrition, <laughs> great segue. What 2015-16 <laughs> team do you think will see the greatest slide in, in the standings this season? Um, this is, I'm sorry to say this, our, and I'm sorry to out her on this, but our colleague Mallory Rubin has decided to be a West Ham fan great. Um, this season. And Great. I think they're they're going to be the team. Needed that, Mallory to have another heartbreaking yeah, to your team to cheer for. Exactly. Um, they finished in seventh last year. They were four points out of the Champions League, like so close, which is it boggles my mind almost more than the Leicester thing, which I, I don't know. But I think they You're really going out of your way <laughs> not to give uh, Leicester winning the Premier League. <laughs> You're like the thing it's is, all, is that they <laughs> it's all about the expected goal differential. What happened to you? What happened to you, man? I love Where soccer. I love watching soccer. Um, I think it's going to be West Ham who drops off the most. I think they were lucky in a lot of ways last year. The beginning of the year, they kept scoring really early and then just getting pummeled by teams and were able to hold them off in some way. Um, Adrian, their goalie had an incredible season he's been really good every season i i just don't know if he's gonna be that good again next year uh payette is a year older he he's not young and a guy an attacking midfielder his age um you know he's gonna see some decline i think at this point um do you just go to the magic kingdom and say this like, <laughs> this sucks it's not real magic isn't real like like Payette you love Payette I love him I love him but I think he's he's gonna maybe be a little worse than he was last year he's still gonna be great um they're changing stadiums there's some thought that you lose home field advantage in your first couple years in a new stadium um and I think they were just generally sort of lucky last year and they didn't build on the sort of ground that they got for themselves but because they haven't really added anyone who I think is going to make a huge difference okay. this summer. Okay. I love Slavin Bilic, though. I love him, too. Um, next one for you is in your fantasy world, um, if you could add one player to the Premier League, one sort of realistic player, so no Messi, um, no Bell, no Craig Bellamy, um, who would you add uh, before August 31st? Uh, I would add... Leonardo Bonucci and Juventus doesn't have to sell him because they mm-hmm. like as you sent me to that reddit thread between the sales of Kingsley Komen and Paul Pogba they've apparently paid for their friggin stadium yeah um so that's that's a nice bit of business they don't have to sell Bonucci um Bonucci's a club legend he's part of one of the best defensive trios in the game but couple teams out there could probably use a little bit of help in central defense or a lot of help. Uh, Chelsea, I think Arsenal would, mm-hmm. would look great with Benucci. I think um, Man City, even though I think, you know, it's Stone, John Stone's just being bought today. Mm-hmm. And 
talk of Yaya Torre or Fernandinho moving back into the Mascherano center back role. Yeah. I still think it would be amazing to watch Benucci play on a Pep Guardiola team. Yeah. So I, if I, if I could write any check, I would love to have Benucci come to the premier league. Yeah. It would sort of be a, a nice, like, fuck you, I guess. If Chelsea bought him like a day, a couple days after, um, Man City bought John Stones. Yeah. Right. That would be pretty hilarious. Um, Speaking of Manchester teams, though, I want to talk a little bit about this. We were just watching Manchester United win the Community Shield. The first piece of silverware. What an honor. Um, It's too bad that they couldn't compete in the Emirates Cup this year. That's my favorite (laughs) preseason tournament uh, next to International Champions Cup. I want to know, will the real Man United please stand up? I'm a little bit confused about who this team is. I'm strangely titillated. I'm aroused. They have two of my favorite players. Uh, in in Zlatan and Pogba, I I like I like Manchester United. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do here. Baye seems awesome. The center back that they bought, um, I, he just seems like really really confident already. Yeah. I, but what are they? Are they a, a tough counter attacking defensively tight Mourinho team? Are they a team that's going to play five forwards? What am I looking at? Who's going to play central midfield with Pogba? Is Schneiderlin back? Like what's happening here? It's they were in the community shield. Their two defensive midfielders were um, Michael Carrick and Fellaini. Great. Um, and I know that that's not going to be their starting lineup. And I need Fellaini day. to go to Turkey. <laughs> but like, to be if that's your starting lineup a week before the season starts, something's wrong. I think. Um, you know, Man U. They've sort of been one of the most boring teams I think in the league over the past three years um their attack has been just garbage um and their defense has been their defensive numbers have been good mainly because they just don't try to attack and they just pass sideways um so it's like it's tough because i guess rarely like you know we talk about peter check last year being worth we make fun of the quote of him being worth what was it John Terry. Oh said yeah, he ten was points worth. or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like typically transfers like they take a little while to impact your team. Like two players can only do so much for a team. Um, but we're talking about the best center midfielder in the world, and Zlatan could maybe be the best striker in the EPL. It's possible. And if he's it's, not playing that well, guess what? They have Wayne Rooney because I don't yeah. know where else you play Wayne Rooney. Yeah, exactly. But Wayne Rooney is a problem. Where do you fit him? Fit him into the team? Um, I think that Manchester United had the best summer. They bought right up the spine. They yeah. already had the best keeper in the league. They bought Bailly, they bought Pogba, they bought Mkhitaryan, they bought Zlatan. Yeah. That's like the direct line from goal to goal where you're like, I can't really think of better players to have there. You yeah, know? I, I agree. But then last summer, I think we sort of had the same thought that, oh, they bought Schneiderlin and uh, Schweinsteiger. Now they have the best midfield. I was Premierly, never under was... the impression that Schweinsteiger was going to be anything <laughs> other than what he was, which well, is like a guy who passes the ball <laughs> horizontally. I appreciate you shaking your head, yes, yeah. when I was talking to you about him. So I think there's just a lot of moving pieces and a lot of sort of inner team drama that's going to have to be like ironed out before this team really starts clicking. And they're a Pogba or Zlatan or Mkhitaryan injury away from being seemingly so much worse because it feels like those are like that. They need those guys to be clicking at a hundred percent for them to be. But we're not even talking about Rashford. We're not talking about Marshall. We're not talking about Lingard who looked really good in the community mm-hmm. shield. They've probably got some other kids. I don't even know about Andrew Herrera is still on the team. I mean, I, I, 
I'm not crazy about their width, but for the most part, this seems like the kind of team where Zlatan, who already drops deep anyway, can mm-hmm. be this almost hybrid 9-10 playmaker. Mkhitaryan, the same thing. They've got a lot of like creativity, and then you've got crazy runners going onto the ball. Yeah, Mourinho usually has defensively solid teams. If he can avoid having a complete meltdown... I'm pretty I'm pretty bullish on them. And at least you know what the, the and like what you're saying, it's the first time in three years where I'm actively interested in watching them. Yeah, which is a bummer. I, I'm I'm fully I want Paul Pogba to succeed. Yeah. And just blow the league up. Um, which probably coincides with them winning. Um next question for you is so we talked about this a little bit earlier with the Champions League. Um, is this the year England finally maybe makes some noise or at least puts a good foot forward in the Champions League? There's a three-team mafia that I feel like is really running this, running the Champions League right now mm-hmm. with Barca, Madrid, and Bayern, mm-hmm. and even Atletico to some extent. Yeah. And that's a really tough. It's tough to see which one of them. I mean, Atletico, you can just every year you could be like, oh, they're going to regress, and then they just don't. Yeah. Um, I was looking at the odds the other day, and last I checked, Man City were plus twelve hundred. Mm-hmm. I kind of like that. That's tasty to me. Yeah. I there's Guardiola is going to have a learning curve in England, but he's not going to have one in Europe. No. And he's got a pretty big squad. So City's gotten pretty deep before. They you know that they've made this a priority for him. Yeah. I kind of. I kind of think City could get into that final four or the final next year. The question about whether Tottenham or Leicester or Arsenal go very far, I just can't see it. Yeah, Leicester, I mean, we sort of talked about. um, There's like a Cinderella aspect to it, but yeah. Yeah. um, Tottenham, maybe. I don't know, but they're another team that's sort of, uh, you know, it thrives with their consistency of yeah, the lineups. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and Arsenal's—it's still the same Arsenal for the most part. But you—you you would think that Man yeah, City, Arsenal will come in second in their group and get absolutely throttled by like some really good team that they could have avoided in the first yeah, knockout round. Yeah. But you would think if Man City could have made the final four last year, like why can't they improve on that this year? It's, they might not be able to because Pep Guardiola is going to be trying to turn. Gail Clichy into Philip Long. Like That's you said, true. like it's That's just true. like the inverted fullbacks he's yeah. already messing around with. Yeah. He's really a genius, but it's gonna be like I don't know necessarily that all his concepts are immediately gonna click. But we'll see. I'm just I I like plus twelve hundred. I think that they are they're like good value in the Champions League. Okay. My next question for you, this goes back to something we were talking about a little bit with the intensity of the management. Yeah. Can you play in the red all season long? Can you gig and press your way into May? Is it possible? to play with the kind of intensity and speed that these managers demand through the Premier League where there's no Christmas break, where there's two other domestic competitions that fans want you in, where you're usually in Europe if you're a top club. Like, Can you get there without basically running a mash unit by the end of the season? I think you can, but it, it takes so many different variables to be able to do it. I think you need, one, you need a deep team of sort of interchangeable players that let you sort of play the same way. And then I think it helps to... This is the thing with soccer that's sort of so um, so strange is that you pro- you benefit from getting eliminated from like the Carling Cup and maybe the FA Cup yeah. um, if you're one of these yeah. sort of high octane style teams. Um, so I think Liverpool they've added a bunch of players. It's Klopp's second season. Um, 
I think maybe they can. Maybe they can keep this up um, and not have 17 guys out with a torn hamstring. Right. Uh, but then what, as soon as Emre John gets a <laughs> weird fibula problem, like there's going to be yeah. like who's going to who's going to play like in the back of the midfield. Exactly. You need a team that's sort of not reliant on one guy and falls apart when that guy gets injured yeah. to play this style, I think. Um, Tottenham, it's last year they were pretty much reliant on their starting 11. Um I don't, they've added one or two guys that'll help with that, but not many more. And they just have so many more games. Um, so it's, it's kind of hard to see them sort of, they did tail off at the end of last season, the Chelsea game where they kind of fell apart. It, it's sort of hard to see them cresting at the end of the season. I f- it feels like they'll, they'll probably be on a downslope a bit um, come the end. Yeah. Who do you think, which manager as a follow-up do you think is going to have the hardest, uh, reality check when it comes to playing through Christmas like this. I think it'll be, I think it'll probably be pep to be honest, yeah. just cause we, we, you know, two years ago he lost his mind at the Bayern team doctor cause guys couldn't stay healthy and Bayern didn't have a competitive game past like November. Yeah, exactly. One didn't have a competitive game and then they had a Christmas break, which the Premier League doesn't yeah. have, and the Premier League has more. The game there are more competitive games in the Premier League right. than there are half, in the at least half of the games that that, that might Man City plays are pretty much up for grabs this season. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think that that it'll be fascinating to sort of see him uh, navigate that. Speaking of top six managers, who of the top six? has the least job security. This is pretty easy. It's Conte. Because if they'll fire Mourinho, they'll fire anybody. Okay. Conte also I you know, it's not like he's like got like a ton of Premier League experience that you can just say a little you can point that. Yeah. Um Roman doesn't give a shit. Mm-hmm. Arson's in his last season. Klopp, Mourinho and Pep are bulletproof and Pochettino, I feel like would get poached by a bigger club or leave for Argentina before he gets fired by Tottenham. So you you don't think uh Mourinho has any um, chances absolutely not because if I feel like if Mourinho goes Woodward is going to go too and so I think that they'll they will go as far as they can they as far as they need to go to protect him they're not they're basically letting him drag Schweinsteiger he'll probably get rid of a couple of more players in yeah. a way that's not like becoming of a team of Manchester United's values like Mata or whoever I don't really care one way or the other I actually like Mourinho and find him like really good value for mm-hmm. like the entertainment yeah I wish that the bullshit about like I don't talk about other clubs would yeah. go away because I feel like you do talk about other clubs all the time yeah just do it and let other people talk about you and drive the conversation it's one of those things that Ferguson used to do where it would sort of destroy nobody's really asking him what are you going to do about your midfield yeah. because he's like taking shots at Klopp and taking shots at Wenger. Yeah. So I kind of just want that to just stop with the hypocrisy about it. But uh yeah, I think Conte is the one if they get to Christmas and mm-hmm. Chelsea's in eighth and nobody wants to play the way he he's asking them to play, we've seen over and over again that the manager goes before the player is there. If if they don't finish in the top four, do you think Say they finish fifth. Do you think he's coming back? It depends season? on how close it is to fifth. And okay. it depends on if it's like it was third, but then three guys got knee yeah. injuries and they didn't have the right players. Yeah. We were just talking about this earlier today. We woke up today and we were looking at who Man City has bought. This is before Stones went through. And, you know, it's Leroy Sané, Nolito, Gabriel, uh, not like the usual, we went out and bought three 50 million players. 
pound players. We bought Raheem Sterling. We yeah. decimated a rival's best players and took them. A, I'm terrified because what does Man City know that we don't in a season where it seems like everybody's spending so huge in the most obvious places? And B, which new Man City player should we get the most excited about? A, I think it's... We talked about this earlier. A year ago, year, two years ago, there was sort of this pending crisis in Man City where they had all of these expensive old players that they weren't going to be able to get rid of and their mm-hmm. team was just going to like age out of contention essentially and now a year later they have you know sterling de bruyne two of the best young attacking players in the premier league and all of these other young guys they just signed this summer and they have this hugely talented young core so they basically say nothing of the fact that aren't they pretty regularly in the youth fa cup yeah fine yeah yep and so they've essentially solved that issue right away yeah um and maybe they put some of their funds this summer more toward building that up than buying a 27 year old um, who's going to be at his peak right now. I think the guy I'm most excited to watch is Stones because I'm kidding. Definitely <laughs> not Stones. Um, I would say it's uh, Ilkay Gundogan from Borussia Dortmund just because I think he, like you said, a lot of the young guys they brought in, who knows how much they're going to contribute this year. Gundogan, uh, I forget who said it, but someone said he has a chance to be either the best player best midfielder in the Premier League this year or he could play like four games. Yeah, so is he gonna be he's not gonna start the season. No. Um when are they expecting him back, do you know? I'm not sure exactly. Okay. Um but bad re- bad leg injury in training for Dortmund last yeah, year. Yeah, missed the Euros um because of it gets has had a bunch of leg problems over the course of his career. But when he plays he's amazing. He is one of the best dribbling midfielders in the world. Phenomenal passer, can start counterattacks, can stop counterattacks um so he's sort of the guy where there's a one reality with city where he stays healthy the whole season and they win the league by like 15 points that's probably not going to happen he's probably not going to stay healthy so maybe it it's sort of managing his minutes but he he's unlike really anyone in the premier league i think and sort of can boost them up or lower them the most of all the guys they signed this summer i would say the guy that i'm most excited to see under guardiola is sterling Obviously, I have like a little bit of sentimental attachment to him, but yeah. um, he makes me feel like if if Guardiola can turn him into Aryan Robin, that's mm-hmm. amazing. If he can just get him close to like where Pedro was five years yeah. ago, that's pretty incredible too. Like yeah. if he's just a slashing, cutting in from the the wing guy who finishes really well, yeah, which is something that Sterling's never really been able to do, yeah. I, they're that they're gonna be incredible and if he does i the other thing with with guardiola that so few managers do well you know van hall will move you into the wrong (laughs) position and just play really boringly but the idea of fernandinho or yaya torre becoming a center back is like mouthwatering i think that's so cool and it would be so cool to see you know some real like tactical innovation happening it's like really 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 fun to imagine because pellegrini was pretty staid and it's gonna be exciting to watch them this season Okay, so on the other side of Manchester, Pogba's here. Is he the best player in the Premier League already? Uh, I think that the best player in the Premier League is healthy Aguero, which is a very... He's an endangered species. Yeah, I, I think that Aguero will put together six-week runs where you're like, oh, is he on the Messi Suarez level? Yeah. And then he tears his hamstring. Yeah. Uh, and it seems like it's just a yearly occurrence. Hopefully that they can, they can manage him right this season and not not blow him out pogba 
is going to depend a lot for me on the formation and his midfield partners. So I think that that's a very busy area between the center circle and the outside of mm-hmm. the opponent's box right now for Man United. And you've got Mkhitaryan, Rooney, and Zlatan, who likes to drop deep. And even if Mkhitaryan starts out on a wing, he's going to drift in, I think. Yeah. So I don't really... I'm worried about Pogba's ability to explode forward. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm going to go with Healthy Aguero over Pogba. I think part of one of the reasons I wanted to ask you this is because it's just... We don't really know who the best player in the Premier League is, I yeah. think. I, I think Pogba could change yeah, that. Yeah, Hazard's um, there. I think that um, there's a possibility that Deli Ali could be the best player. Yeah, Mares. Yeah. why not? Um, yeah, and I think with Pogba, it's sort of his versatility could sort of mute his effectiveness in some ways because mm-hmm. they have guys that can do all this attacking stuff. Maybe he's doing more more defensive work this season. So, Ryan, I asked you a little while ago which team would see the greatest slide this year. Who's going to see the greatest gain? I think it's going to be Man City just because they came in fourth barely. They were tied um, with Man U, and I think what we saw with them last year at the beginning of the season, the first four games when they won the first four, they looked like definitely the best, by far the best team in the Premier League, and then sort of maybe one of the best teams in the world um, at that point. And then last year, it really did seem like they sort of were just like, whatever like our manager's leaving yeah um what do we really have to prove because anyone who's going to give us a raise is probably like not paying attention right now anyway um so i think they sort of coasted into the uh fourth place fourth place finish line and i think sort of that what we saw at the beginning of last year i don't see why guardiola can't get them there for a more sustained portion of the season right um and if they do that, that's just sort of a, a huge jump from the 60, 66. Um, yeah, 66 points they finished at. I'm going to go Sunderland just because I don't think they can be much worse than Moyes. <laughs> I, I think this is around the level that Moyes should probably be managing at with no, yeah. no disrespect to him. But I, this is the kind of team that he could take, set them up well, get the most out of them, maybe make some decent buys, get them in and around mid, mid-table. Yeah, there's a world where they're the next, the next Everton for him. Okay, so looking at the the Premier League odds, who do you think the bookies are most wrong about? Uh, this sort of goes along to the skepticism that we've been expressing <laughs> this entire podcast, which I'm really super excited to be wrong about. But I actually think 28 to 1 is a compliment to Leicester. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't think it's out of the question that they could finish out of the top 10. Out of the top 10? Yeah, totally. Who else would finish ahead of them? Other than, so we have the top six sort of that we've... Uh, I think Everton. Okay. Southampton. Okay. West Ham. Okay. Stoke with the Welsh Javi. I, I mean, Stoke, there's like there's a, just there's one more st- team. all those Stoke, yeah. Swansea, like uh, Sunderland, like there's Watford with Matsari managing. Like I have no idea, but I, there's part of me that thinks that Leicester's like three injuries and five, five bad results away from being a mid table team. Yeah, and I we should say like I think we both want Leicester to like win. Yeah, the I think again. I, like, sports are better when we can't explain. Yeah, why and Mares and Vor- I, I also just think that there's a possibility that Morgan and Hooth don't have the greatest yeah. year, or that you know, Cashbush, yeah, Drinkwater is a step slower. Right? All these things that could happen. It's just because I haven't seen a lot of the guys that they've bought to replace them and the guys that they have in their academy. 
And, you know, this is just going to be what happens to Leicester is they're going to get picked on. Arsenal got picked on. Like, people will yeah. come and try and buy their players. Mares could get bought. If Mares gets bought before the end of August, they're they're in a lot of trouble. Yeah, they're not replacing him. Yeah. Um, so you don't think any of the Leicester players fit this, but outside of Manchester, who's the summer signing of the Premier League? I think it's Conte. About. I think it's N'Golo Conte. Even though I would be, you know, I'm, I have a huge Nemanja Matic mm-hmm. fan as far, as far as his style of play. Yeah. I just think that that adds a dynamism to the Chelsea midfield that's really exciting. Yeah. And Chelsea actually have, between those, that Oscar, William, Cesc, they have a lot of creativity. Yeah. I am really excited to see the Conte, Matic, double pivot, destroyer lineup. Yeah, and it just, they, they seem like... Like, the, how can you even... Do they even need to have central defenders if that's their defensive <laughs> midfield? John Terry could play for another... Seriously, years. no wonder he re-signed. Um, yeah, and they, they both seem like the kinds of players that Conte... Antonio Conte. And I would also like to say to the listeners, you're welcome, because Ryan and I could have just listed every Liverpool by this summer. Yeah, I mean, Conte is whatever, 14th behind all the players that came to Liverpool. Exactly. (laughs) Um, But that that, everything in this podcast goes uh, without saying. All right, Ryan, let's rattle through um, our, you know, our awards and our our top four and bottom three for this season. So let's do Young Player of the Year this year. Who do you think it's going to be? I think it's going to be Pogba because it goes to anyone who's 23 or under when the season starts and he's going to be 23. Okay, I it's feel like you're cheating. Che- cheating it. I'm going to give it to Demar Gray from uh, Leicester because I saw him play like on YouTube and I think he's awesome. That's that's how all soccer analysis. Who wins so. player of the year? I think it's going to be someone on City. I'm going to go with De Bruyne. Uh, he had a really good year in his first season last year. Um, he's just the kind of guy. He's huge scores a lot creates a lot for his teammates he's fast he just seems like the guy that Guardiola is gonna be able to unleash he could be god under Guardiola I'll go with Pogba for this I guess now that you've said it like he could be the young player of the year um Pogba is definitely the most talented I think the most talented player that's come to the Premier League in a long time I yeah I, I would I hope Mourinho can get the most out of him who gets relegated I think Hull for sure just because that team is Hull should Hull should like like the Premier League owners should get together. Everybody throws in a little bit of money. Give Hull the parachute payment now and bring Newcastle back up. Yeah, they they haven't bought anyone this summer. They're rumored to be selling guys off to teams in the league below them. I think they only have like nine healthy players right now. Yeah. Um so I think they're sort of they could be the worst team in Premier League history and it wouldn't surprise me. I think Swansea are going to get relegated. Interesting. Um I think they've sort of moved away from that like very likable possession playing style that we all loved about them. They just signed for Fernando Urente, who hasn't been good in like seven years. The Lion King. Um, and they were not good two years ago. They were pretty bad this past year, and I think it's just going to continue. Um, and then I think Burnley will be the third one. They, they won the championship last year, but um, they sort of haven't really added much to their team. Um, so I think... It's just not going to be enough for them to stay up. I'm going whole Burnley, so I agree with two of yours. And my 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 drop team is Palace because I just don't think Pardew. Nobody listens to him after more than twelve months. Is he going to stay with Palace and try to get them back up? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Did he sign another one of those like nine year contracts that he gets to have? Probably. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think he's going. He's going down. Um, okay. Top four. Let's hear it. Okay. Fourth, just to show that I'm not a homer, is Liverpool. Um, third, Tottenham, second, Arsenal, and first, Man City. You think Arsenal is going to come in second? 
they came in second last year. And That's it's, not it's you roughly just the same team. Rattled on about expected goals for an hour. You yeah. tell me just because they came in second last year. Okay, Arsenal was first in expected goals last year, <laughs> so that's my reasoning. <laughs> I like Arsenal. I just do you really think they're going to come in second in this blood sport. The, here's my thought: Xhaka is really good. He's better than the guys they have. I don't know if they need him. Um, and they tried to get Vardy. I think they're going to still add a. A striker. So finally. You th- did you it's see so that? dumb. Did you to see like- that thing about like how West Ham, like Leon, Le- Leon, like turned down a West Ham bid, and then Arsenal underbid West Ham. Yeah, that's classic. Uh, <laughs> what about forty million? Yeah. and one pound. Yeah, like Leon gets something <laughs> for selling to a more ho- high-profile team. Yeah, um, yeah, it's it's foolish to be like they're going to finally sign a striker and be. Uh, be good enough to challenge for the title um, because that is what we say every year um, and it hasn't happened, but why the hell not? I change my mind about this almost every day. Uh, fourth place Liverpool, third place Tottenham. Sorry, fourth place Tottenham, four, third place Liverpool, second place United, first place City. How close between City and United? Like really close. Really close. The Guardiola Mourinho. I think actually this t- top four could be a, a, a seven-point margin. Yeah, and I, I would say... I know you're not supposed to do this when you predict stuff, but I'm not confident really about any of this. United or is there, Chelsea is there, so can be. Are we both that confident that Chelsea is not in this show? Because I think earlier in the summer we were both being a little bit like, yeah, Conte's coming and they're going to be, they're, they're just going to blow people up. I mean, I'm not. The thing is, I look at their team and I don't know, like you said, I don't really know where the goals are necessarily going to come from. Um, but they're not playing in Europe. And I, I Conte. When he took over Juventus, the team took a huge leap in his first season, so he's done it before. Um, so I'm not I'm not confident they're not going to be top four. Um, but I think these other four teams are better. Okay, so Ryan has City. I have City both winning. Ryan has Arsenal in the top four. I have United in the top four. Yeah. Uh, we'll be back every couple of weeks to talk about this Premier League season. Until then, thanks so much for listening. Mm-hmm.